Good evening, and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. See, you got another one really quick, but it's not about that. This is January Comedies. Tonight, we're going to talk about a comedy that is not only moving, but very funny. We're going to conjure his ghost. Good morning, Vietnam! Of course, Robin Williams. Robin Williams, probably one of the funniest men that ever lived. He knew everybody. He knew Richard Pryor. He knew David Letterman. He knew George Carlin. He knew Sam Kinison. There was a beauty in that. He vibed. Billy, Billy Crystal, Whoopi Goldberg. Think of everything that they did for the homeless. And think of this movie. Good morning, Vietnam. His first Oscar nomination. Didn't win. But that's besides the point. Because the awards, yeah, you get them, but they're not forever. And that movie is forever. And when Robin Williams died, that's the first thing I thought of. Good morning, Vietnam. You know, it... And in a way also because I have people in my family who served in Vietnam. And then there is this humor of Adrian Cronauer. Not the real Adrian Cronauer because he was actually very conservative. And Robin Williams, basically, a lot of what he did in Good Morning Vietnam, you know, uh, is ad-libbed. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of the director who let him do that, you know. Eventually, Robin got the Golden Man for a dramatic, with some comedic aspects in Good uh, Goodwill Hunting. But Good Morning Vietnam, tonight's movie that we're talking about, released in 1987. Was it 87? Let me ask Siri. Sometimes when all else fails, you ask, Hey Siri, what year was Good Morning Vietnam released? And see what Siri says. Ah, uh, twelve twenty three eighty seven. Just in time for Oscar. Just in time for Christmas. Yes. Good mo- morning, Vietnam. Bruno Kirby's in there, and he's playing the straight man. Yeah, not very funny. You have uh, who else is in there? Forrest Whitaker is in there. Forrest Whitaker's been in films for a long time. He's an Oscar winner. You know, he's paid his dues. Good morning, Vietnam. Adrian Cronauer. You know, he's got his friend. And his friend gets into trouble. He sticks up for him. There's a lot of beautiful moments. Moving moments in Good Morning Vietnam. And it's a, it's a comedy. It's a comedy, but with a lot of... A lot of heart in it. And I think even now with with Robin being gone for six years, it holds new meaning. It truly does. We all want to be in radio. We all want to make people laugh. And what Robin Williams... Robin Williams was very intelligent. And when you're a comedian, especially a really fast good one who's quick you need it 
I mean, you can't just put your keys in the ignition and expect to laugh. It's not going to happen. Robin knows how to stick that key not only into the ignition, but light socket and blow everything up and blow your mind. And in Good Morning Vietnam, he blows your mind. He's, he's teaching the Vietnamese English. He's saying, hey, say, hey, baby, let's groove. And they're saying it back to him, you know, and he's just delighted by it. You know, when you watch Good Morning Vietnam, Robin isn't entirely acting. I don't think he ever was entirely acting. There's always a piece of Robin Williams in every performance. And I think that's where it started to take its toll because you can only give so much of yourself, you know. What an amazing performance. Good morning, Vietnam. Think of those records that he's playing. You know, and then he gets to meet with the troops. And he and you can tell. And they're on their way. They're on their way to a battle. You can tell. He's he's dialed in. He's moved. The the energy is there. He has plugged his finger into the stratosphere and he's getting all this love back because his main objective is to make these guys feel good. They are a long way from home. They are, I mean, their life expectancy, any time in war, your life expectancy... It's not good. It's, it's, I mean, you know, I could say that's the other thing. People who don't understand war, I, I don't understand it, but I know those who were in it. And so when people say, well, you know, they killed, well, it's either kill or be killed. Okay. And, here we go. Welcome back. Thank you, Sergeant. I've missed you. <laughs> I'm informing you that you're out of here. I want your bags packed and ready to go tomorrow afternoon. You don't have the power. I'll take this right to the authorities. I am the authorities, you moron. Oh, I got your pansy ass in a sling now, Cronauer. Who's Twan? The guys who flew you in from Unlock Radio, they picked up a young South Vietnamese boy with you and Garlic. Who is this South Vietnamese boy? It's a friend from my class who risked his ass to save my life. A friend? Your friend is a VC terrorist. <laughs> yeah, and my mother's a werewolf, right? Juan is also known as Phan Duc Tho. He's currently wanted by the South Vietnamese police in connection with several bombings in the area, including the one at Jimmy Waz. Surely you're familiar with that incident. Did you ever wonder how a young South Vietnamese boy gets into and out of VC hell territory? It's dangerous out there. Things just jump out. And those are the dramatic moments. A good morning, Vietnam. Here we go. Good morning, Vietnam! Hey, this is not a test. This is rock and roll. Time to rock it from the Delta to the DMZ. Is that me or does that sound like an Elvis Presley movie? Viva Da Nang. Oh, Viva Da Nang. Da Nang me, Da Nang me. Why don't they get a rope and hang me? 
Hey, it's a little too early for being that loud. Hey, too late. It's 0600. What's the O stand for? Oh, my God, it's early. Speaking of early, how about that Cro-Magnon, Marty Drywitz? Thank you, Marty, for silky smooth sound. Make me sound like Peggy Lee. Freddie and the Dreamers. Ah, and so he's playing all this music. Oh, here we go. We've got it on the wrong speed. For those of you who are recovering from a hangover, that's going to sound just right. Let's pull it right back down. Let's try a little faster. See if that picks it up a little bit. Let's get up on 17. Those pilots are going right now. I really like the music. I really like the music. I really like the music. Oh, still a bad song. Hey, wait a minute. Let's try something. Let's play this backwards and see if it gets any better. Freddy is the devil. Freddy is the devil. Hey, uh, hi, can you help me? What's your name? My name's Roosevelt Lee Roosevelt. Roosevelt, what town are you stationed in? I'm stationed in Poontang. Well, thank you, Roosevelt. What's the weather like out there? It's hot. Damn hot. Real hot. Hot in this is my shorts. I can cook things in it. Little crotch pot cooking. Well, can you tell me what it feels like? Fool, what is hot? I told you again. Were you born on the sun? It's damn hot. You can be a little thing. I saw it so damn hot. I saw one of those little guys in the orange robe burst into flames. It's that hot. You know what I'm talking about? See? We could, we could listen to Robin... All day and all night long. You know, I think all of us have a personal favorite of Robin Williams. And I like them all. From Good Morning Vietnam to, of course, it's not a comedy, but parts of it could be. The Dead Poet Society. And as a poet myself, I know you're laughing. But it's okay. I won't read any of it for you. It's it's not meant to be read. It's just meant to be written. I don't... I, I am surrounded by people in my life and family who want to write poetry and recite it. And I could never do that. Because I write it just to get it out of me. It's like an uh, Elvis Costello song. He writes it to get it out of him. It's better than going to a shrink. Good morning, Vietnam. 1987, directed by Barry Levinson. Woo! This movie, this movie is amazing. Most of Williams' performances that portrayed Cronauer's radio broadcasts were improvisations. True? The film was a critical and commercial success for his work in the film. Williams won a Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy, and was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actor and a BAFTA. The film is number 100 on the list of American Film Institute's 100 Funniest American Movies. Now, the real Adrian Cronauer was totally different from the performance of Robin Williams. There are dramatic moments in the movie. And then there's the comedic aspects. There's a beautiful moment where Robin's character, Adrian Cronauer, he just wants to tell the truth. And so he starts reading the truth on the radio. You know, and that makes me think of Queen, Radio Gaga, and how the video taking the place of the radio stars. And in a way, I could say that when it comes to podcasting, that's why I don't do a video podcast is because, you know, first of all, I don't always look my best and I could be lying down on the bed, which I am. And I don't want to be on film for that. You know, the camera does add extra pounds. 
But that's besides the point. When I do these podcasts about these films or pieces of music, I want you to pay attention to the voice, not the images. You can paint images in your own head, you know? And Good Morning Vietnam paints so many images for me, for you. Um, Adrian Cronauer died in 2018. He was 79 years old. The movie was based on his experiences as a Saigon-based DJ during the Vietnam War, where he served from 1965 to 1966. His program was known as the Don Buster. According to Cronauer, other than the film's portrayal of him being a radio host, little of the film reflects his experiences. Except the bombing of a restaurant for which Cronauer was a nearby witness. Yeah. So, Good Morning Vietnam is basically Robin Williams. And that's why we love it. And that's why we miss Robin Williams so much. And I'm sure with Corona, he would have had a a stand-up ready for it. Wash your hands and get a prize. You know, um... Yeah. This is such an amazing film. And... We... You know... Here we go. Here's some more of Robin. That's why we're here. Pfadfinder, bitte nicht vergessen, Montag ist Malariatag. Schluckt auch die gelbe Durchfallpille und wetzt die Sohlen für den hochscheiß Minspritz. Oh, it's in German. Oh. Oh, well. well. We'll leave that in. Sometimes it's good, too. It's funny. You go on YouTube and all these people are basically trying to do him. Yeah. Good and the dreamers. An army. Oh no! Follow the Ho Chi Minh Trail. Follow the Ho Chi Minh Trail. Oh, I'll get you, my pretty. Oh my God! It's the Wicked Witch of the North. It's Hanoi, Hanoi. Now, little GI, you and your little doo doo too. Adrian. <laughs> what are you doing, Adrian? Oh, Hannah, you slut. You've been on everything but the Titanic. Stop it right now. Hey, uh, hi, can you help me? What's your name? My name's Roosevelt Lee Roosevelt. Roosevelt, what town are you stationed in? I'm stationed in Poontang. Well, thank you, Roosevelt. What's the weather like out there? It's hot. Damn hot. Real hot. Hot and things is my shorts. I can cook things in it. Little crotch pot cooking. Well, can you tell me what it feels like? Fool, what is hot? I told you again. Were you born on the sun? It's damn hot. See? Robin playing Adrian Cronauer doing what he does best. But he runs into a snag. And that snag is played by Bruno Kirby. Yeah, we can put an eye out with that. Jesus, that guy's as boring as whale shit. You're a very sick man. You know that, though. Thank you. 
Former VP Richard Nixon will arrive here this week. Drywoods. I've assigned you to cover the PC. And if you do, and if you do, and if you do happen to speak with him, please be polite and to the point at all times. Affirmative, sir. Okay. Who do we have slated for live entertainment in November? Well, we originally wanted Bob Hope, but turns out he won't come. Why not? He doesn't play police actions, just wars. Bob likes them. Big room, sir. <laughs> that is not funny. The former VP will be here on Friday. <laughs> See, he's playing the straight man. He's playing the straight man. He he does not want to be funny. He thinks he is. Lyndon Johnson passed a highway beautification bill. The bill basically said that his daughters could not drive in a convertible on public highways. Can you tell us what you found out about the enemy since you've been here? We found out that we can't find them. They're out there, and we're having a major difficulty in finding the enemy. What do you use to look for them? Well, we ask people, are you the enemy? And whoever says yes, we shoot them. Oh... Here's a good one. Jimmy Wilkes. Where are you from, Jimmy? I'm Austin, New York. Oh, two boys tied together. <laughs> hey, son, while I got drunk, man, all of a sudden I went for a tattoo. Next thing you know, I'm on a fucking truck. What happened? Wow, <laughs> <laughs> baby, I don't know what's going down. But you're both from New York. Nice to have you here. Like, you're just, like, hanging out. You're headed north. Where are you going to? Not train. <laughs> yeah, you got to be careful, Jack. That's some heavy stuff up there. That's like Newark after dark. You got to watch out. <laughs> That's some heavy shit going down, baby. You like George Wallace campaigning in Harlem. Hi, have you seen my face? Get your ass out of here. <laughs> You guys be careful. What's your name? My name is Lewis Stryker. Brother Stryker. Thank you, Brother Stryker. John Donham. John Donham. Jay Snyder. Feels like Mouseketeer Show. What's that? <laughs> Cubby. Roy. Well, you guys, you take care of yourselves. I won't forget you. That's a moving part. When he looks at them and he says, you guys take care of yourself. I won't forget you. That's how we're going to end tonight's show. We won't forget you, Robin. Know that. And that's why I wanted to talk about Good Morning Vietnam. Because at the heart of it, you get to see Robin Williams do what he does best. Which is just channel. Bring to life these these characters. There isn't a dry eye in the house from laughing. In Good Morning Vietnam, directed by Barry Levinson. Starring the eternal Robin Williams. It's one of those comedies. I hope it makes you laugh. I hope it makes you think. You know, people don't usually look at because it really isn't a war film. There are aspects of war in it, but it really is about this man who is trying to keep everyone sane during insanity because war there's always insanity but when you have someone who is channeling and saying look I'm going to play this music for you and I'm going to make you laugh because that's what I do you know I'm I'm going to make you feel good even though we're, we're all stuck in this together kind of like today you know so this is the Dr. Seuss Film Podcast. We're not going to talk about cinematography. We're not going to talk about the editing. We're going to talk about the fact that when you have a genius, 
like Robin Williams. They freely just give him that mic and just let him go. It's not about what's on the page. It's about the insanity, the beautiful insanity that comes out in this improvisation, weaving together a story, a character. Good morning, Vietnam! Unpleasant dreams. Good evening. Now, I have already done an episode months ago about Dr. Strangelove. But it is comedy January. January comedies. And I thought, you know what? It's a legendary film. It's uh, 57 years old. It's a dark satire comedy where Peter Sellers is playing... Not one, but three characters. Was nominated for an Oscar. Didn't win. He lost to Rex Harrison of My Fair Lady. Yeah. Isn't that a travesty right there? I know a lot of you love My Fair Lady, but I'm sorry. You're going to give the Oscar to Rex Harrison over Peter Sellers playing three characters. And and not just any characters. I mean, let, let's let's look at these characters that... Peter Seller. Peter Seller- Sellers never won the Oscar. That's sad. But you know what? I don't think it rained on his parade. Peter Sellers. Dr. Strangelove. I mean, the list alone, you've got Peter Sellers, George C. Scott, Sterling Hayden, and Slim Pickens. Yeah, and we know, and we and if you've seen Dr. Strangelove, you know what happens to Slim Pickens. What 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 a name, huh? The story concerns an unhinged United States Air Force general who orders a first nuclear strike attack on the Soviet Union. It separately follows the President of the United States, his advisors, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and a Royal Air Force exchange officer as they attempt to prevent the crew of a B-52 plane who were ordered by the general from nuking the Soviets and starting an atomic holocaust. That's from 1964. Directed by Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick didn't make a lot of comedies. He, I mean, the list of the films that Stanley Kubrick made are legendary. Dr. Strangelove is just one of those films written by Kubrick, Terry Southern, and Peter George. Directed by Stanley Kubrick. You know... With the lights, that's always a thing in a Kubrick film is the lights. Even in a black and white, like Dr. Strangelove. Here's Peter Sellers right here. Group Captain Lionel Mandrake, a British RAF exchange officer, President Merkin Muffley, the President of the United States, and Dr. Strangelove, the wheelchair-bound nuclear war expert and former Nazi. Yes, yeah. Interesting, isn't it? We've talked about this before, but it doesn't hurt because we're going to go in depth to those three characters that Peter Sellers played. So this is basically Dr. Strangelove and the other two characters. 
Doctor Strangelove is a dark comedy. This is not, you know, um, this is not an SNL episode. They, I, they couldn't even parody that on here. But mm, this is a this is a legendary moment. I suppose it never occurred to you that while we're chatting here so enjoyably, a decision is being made by the president and the Joint Chiefs in the war room at the Pentagon. And when they realize there is no possibility of recalling the wing, there will be only one course of action open. Total commitment. Mandrake, do you recall what Clemenceau once said about war? Uh, no, I didn't think I knew that, yeah. He said war was too important to be left to the generals. When he said that, 50 years ago, he might have been right. But today, war is too important to be left to politicians. They have neither the time, the training, nor the inclination for strategic thought. I can no longer sit back and allow communist infiltration, communist indoctrination, communist subversion, and the international communist conspiracy to sap and impurify all of our precious bodily fluids. That is a legendary moment. The precious bodily fluids. And he's not talking about apple juice, now is he? And of course, the president, also played by Peter Sellers. Hello? Uh, hello, Di- hello, Dimitri. Listen, I-, I can't hear too well. Do you suppose you could turn the music down just a little? Oh, oh that's much better. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Mandrake. Yes, Dad? Have you ever seen a commie drink a glass of water? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I can't say I have. That's it. Why should you build such a thing? There are those of us who fought against it, but in the end we could not keep up with the expense involved in the arms race, the space race, and the peace race. And at the same time, our people grumbled for more nylons and washing machines. Our doomsday scheme cost us just a small fraction of what we've been spending on defense in a single year. But the deciding factor was when we learned that your country was working along similar lines, and we were afraid of a doomsday gap. This is preposterous. I've never approved of anything like that. Our source was the New York Times. Dr. Strangelove, do we have anything like that in the works? A moment, please, Mr. President. Under the authority granted me as director of weapons research and development, I commissioned last year a study of this project by the Blend Corporation. Based on the findings of the report, my conclusion was that this idea was not a practical deterrent, 
for reasons which at this moment must be all too obvious. Then you mean it is possible for them to have built such a thing? Mr. President, the technology required is easily within the means of even the smallest... Now, here's the eerie thing. He's playing against himself. Because he's playing the president who turns to talk to Dr. Strangelove, whom Peter Sellers is also playing. How did they pull that shit off? Well, we all wonder. Meanwhile, you have Sterling Hayden talking to Mandrake. Those three integral characters played all brilliantly by Peter Sellers. Only Stanley Kubrick could get that kind of madness out in the open. This is a legendary comedy. In the last one, I didn't have these clips at my disposal. It's programmed into a tape memory bank. A single roll of shape can store all the information. What kind of a name is that? That ain't no crowd name. Is it the 25 you changed it when you became a citizen. It used to be like Vectic Lieber. A crowd by any other name, I is that the whole point of the doomsday machine is lost. If you keep it a secret, why didn't you tell the world, eh? It was to be announced at the party congress on Monday. As you know, the premier loves surprises. And of course, that's premier kiss-off. Dr. Strangelove, a legendary film, a legendary cast... You have Peter Sellers in those three roles. Lionel Mandrake, President Merkin Muffley, and Dr. Strangelove. George C. Scott is General Buck Turgenson. Sterling Hayden is Brigadier General Jack D. Ripper. Hello. Keenan Wynn as Colonel Batch Gano. Slim Pickens as Major T. King Kong. Peter Bull as Soviet Ambassador Alexei D. Sadisky. James Earl Jones as Lieutenant Lothar Zog. Tracy Reed as Miss Scott. Shane Rimmer as Capt A.C. Owens. The multiple roles. Columbia Pictures agreed to finance the film if Peter Sellers played at least four major roles. The condition stemmed from the studio's option that much of the success of Kubrick's previous film, Lolita, was based on Sellers' performance in which his single character assumes a number of identities. Sellers had also played three roles in The Mouse That Roared. Kubrick attempted, accepted the demand, later explaining that such crass and grotesque stipulations are the syndicate non of the motion picture business. Sellers ended up playing three of the four roles written for him. He had been expected to play Air Force Major T.D. King Kong, the B-2 Stratophysis uh, aircraft commander, but from the beginning, Sellers was reluctant. He felt he, his workload was too heavy. And he worried he would not properly portray the character's Texas accent. Kubrick pleaded with him, and he asked the screenwriter, Tiger Southern, who had been raised in Texas, to record a tape with Kong's lines, spoken in correct accent. Using Southern's tape, Sellers managed to get the accent right, and he started acting in the scenes in the aircraft, but has sprained his ankle, and he could not work in the cramped cockpit. Sellers is said to have improvised much of the dialogue, with Kubrick incorporating the ad-libs into the written screenplay. So the improvised lines became part of the chronologue screenplay, a practice known as retroscripting. Yeah. 
Oh my god, this movie. According to the film critic Alexander Walker, the author of the biographies of Sellers and Kubrick, the role of group captain Lionel Mandrake was the easiest of the three roles for Sellers to play. Since he was aided by his experience of mimicking his superiors while serving in the Royal Air Force during World War II. There was also a heavy resemblance to Sellers' friend and occasional co-star Terry Thomas as the prosthetic-limbed RAF Sir Douglas Batter. President Merkin Muffley. For his performance as President Merkin Muffley, Sellers assumed the accent of an American Midwesterner. Sellers drew inspiration from the role of Adlai Stevenson, a former Illinois governor who was a Democratic candidate from 1952 to 1956 as presidential elections and the UN ambassador during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Hello. In early takes, Sellers faked cold symptoms to emphasize the character's apparent weakness. That caused frequent laughter among the film crew. Ruining several takes, Kubrick ultimately found this comic portrayal inappropriate, feeling that Muffley should be a serious character. In later takes, Sellers plays this role straight, though the president's cold is still evident in several scenes. In keeping with Kubrick's sacratil character names, a merkin is a a pubic hair wig. (laughs) Oh, God. Pubic hair. The president is bald and his last name is Muffley. Both are emo- additional homages to Merkin. Yes. Dr. Strangelove is an ex-Nazi scientist suggesting Operation Paperclip, the U.S. effort to recruit top German technical talent at the end of World War II. He serves as the president's Muffley scientific advisor in the war room. That's when they're fighting. He's like, gentlemen, don't fight in the war room or this is the war room. Why are you fighting? Uh, he serves as President Muffley's scientific advisor in the war room. When General Turgenson wonders out loud what kind of a name Strangelove is, saying to Mr. Staines, Jack Creeley, that is not a Kraut name. Staines responds that Strangelove's original German surname was Marco Rijabo, Strangelove in German, and that he changed it when he became a citizen. Twice in the film, Strangelove accidentally addresses the president as Monfier. Dr. Strangelove did not appear in the book Red Alert. The character is an amalgamation of R&D corporate strategist Herman Kahn, mathematician and Manhattan Project principal Jean von Neumann, rocket scientist Werner von Braun, a central figure in the Nazi Germany's rocket development program recruited to the U.S. after the war, and Edward Teller, the father of the hydrogen bomb. It has been claimed that the character was based on Henry Kissinger, but Kubrick and Sellers denied this. Sellers said Strangelove was never modeled after Kissinger. That's a popular misconception. It was always the Warner von Braun. Furthermore, Henry Kissinger points out in his memoirs that at the time of the writing of Dr. Strangelove, he was a little-known academic the wheelchair using the strange love furthers a a cubic troop of the menacing sedated antagonist first depicted in lolita through the character dr zrap strange love's accent was influenced by that of an austrian-american photographer ouija who worked for Kubrick as a special uh, photographic effects consultant strange love's appearance echoes the mad scientist archetype as seen in the character Rotwald against Fritz Lang's film Metropolis. Seller's strange love takes from Rotswang, the single black glove hand, which is Rotwang's case in mechanical because of a lab accident, the wild hair, and the most important, his ability to avoid being controlled by the political power. 
According to Alexander Walker, Sellers improvised Strangelove's lapse into the Nazi salute, borrowing one of Kubrick's leather clubs for the uncontrollable hand that makes the gesture. Dr. Strangelove apparently suffers from the alien hand syndrome. Kubrick wore the gloves on set to avoid being burned when handling hot lights, and Sellers, recognizing the potential connection to Lang's work, found them to be menacing. And so here we are. Those three characters... So tonight's episode is going to be called Dr. Strangelove, Captain Mandrake, and President Merkin Muffley. As always, unpleasant dreams. Dr. Strangelove, here we go, baby. Mm-hmm.